1: Good evening everyone. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Tuesday, January the 31st of 2023. Gosh, almost a full month in the books already for 2023, and we have just one football game left in this football cycle before we get spring practice underway in about a month. And then eventually we'll work our way back to high school football in August and college football, NFL in September, and we'll do it all over again. But we have a lot to look forward to. The NFL Combine is right around the corner. NFL draft at the end of April. We still are waiting to find out who the Indianapolis Colts are going to hire as their are new. Head coach, their former head coach, Frank Reich, is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. That's kind of a unique story. He was that franchise's first ever quarterback back in 1995, their inaugural season. Now Reich is in charge of that football team. During his media session being introduced to the Panther fans and the media, Reich was asked what happened with the Colts offense. He took responsibility and said the running game went away and we could not throw the football vertically down the field. Well, the Colts are hoping to take care of the latter by picking what they hope is their franchise quarterback. They sit at number four in the NFL draft, could move up. I'm not sure if the Bears want to move down to four. I think they have their eyes set on maybe the defensive tackle, Jalen Carter from Georgia, maybe Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama. Carter seems like a guy that's picking up a little steam right now. Of course, the Bears have the number one pick, and there's going to be some team that's going to offer a boatload for that pick, and the Bears likely will move down and still get an outstanding football player with a lot of extra draft capital. But we'll wait to find out who the Colts head coach is. It looks like we have two of the NFL vacancies that have been taken care of over the last hour or so. We'll get to that information coming up in just a little bit here on WSBT Radio. Two hours of Sports Beat tonight. And coming up on the program this evening, in just a second, we have our hat trick of topics to get this show started. We have our Twitter question of the day at the bottom of the hour. It centers around the Notre Dame basketball program and their search for a new head coach. I'll recap last weekend's Notre Dame hockey action as the Irish won back to back games for the first time since the middle of October in the six o'clock hour. Notre Dame football recruiting conversation with recruiting expert from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Mike Singer. We are going to talk about the elite interior defensive lineman, Justin Scott. He's a a one-of-a-kind. He is the guy to get in the interior of a defensive line for players coming out of high school. And he was supposed to make his college choice today, as a matter of fact, but recently he decided to put that on hold. He was supposed to visit Notre Dame on Sunday. Did that happen? Mike has all the details on this very important recruit coming up in our recruiting segment in less than an hour here on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. The Big 12 has four new teams this fall, BYU, Central Florida, Houston, Cincinnati, and the My Five. Question of the day, I'll pass along the five best matchups this year. And the new look, Big 12. So they'll have 14 teams this year after 10 last year. And then the year after, they'll drop down to 12 with Texas and Oklahoma joining the Southeastern Conference. We have a little sizzler also to get to before the end of the program. Happy to report last night was a 3-0-1 night. And so that makes us 7-0-1 in the last eight. Can we have another good night tonight? We will try. And two of the four suggestions centers around Indiana taking on Maryland tonight in an interesting matchup in College Park where the Hoosiers are the underdog. It 5:13 on your home of the Fighting Irish and Super Bowl 57, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we start the program with our hat trick of topics, three topics to start tonight's Budweiser's Weekday sports beat. We have two football and one basketball topic in this opening segment. We start with this. There's a very small portion of you. You're going to have to find something else to complain about because almost every year at this time, Your feathers get ruffled a little bit when you hear some details in regard to schedules in the ACC. This year, like I said, you'll have to find something else to complain about because no ACC team that the Irish will play this year will have a bye week the previous week. In fact, as we look at the Notre Dame football schedule, you're not going to have to worry about any team enjoying a bye before they play the Fighting Irish. First off, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the placement of a bye for the Notre Dame football team is something more to crow about than opposing teams getting these byes set up before the Irish. Now, Notre Dame can only control so much where the bye goes. The ACC games are put in place by the ACC. But you take a look at recent history. Is there really that much to get upset about? Because Notre Dame has handled these moments pretty well. I credit Blue and Gold Illustrated. They did the work on the stats for this so I want to give them full credit but Blue and Gold reported that the Irish have played 36 teams coming off a bye since the 2010 season Notre Dame in those 36 games are 29-7 and that's pretty good it happened twice last year North Carolina and Clemson enjoyed byes before they played the Irish and you know what Notre Dame beat both of them. So 29-7, pretty good. Let's take a look at the Notre Dame schedule this year and who the opponent plays the week before the Irish pop up on the schedule. Of course, the first game of the year doesn't really count. Notre Dame and Navy playing across the pond, both teams' first game of the year. Tennessee State is the next matchup. And that will be Eddie George's first game of the year. Nothing really to be too concerned about playing an FCS school. All right, now let's get to it. Third game of the year for the Irish, an interesting road game in Raleigh against North Carolina State. Fingers crossed no hurricane this time. The week before playing the Irish, North Carolina State will be on the road to take on Connecticut. Connecticut. NC State with a new quarterback this year, Devin Leary, moved on to the Kentucky Wildcats. The fourth game on the Irish schedule, Central Michigan. First time meeting CMU. Well, Central Michigan, the week before they play Notre Dame, will take on New Hampshire. Nothing to worry about there. All right, game number five. It's a dandy. The Ohio State Buckeyes come to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish the week before. It's Ohio State at Notre Dame. The Buckeyes will be at the Horseshoe taking on the Broncos of Western Michigan. Game number six, an interesting road game against a much improved Duke program. The ball game in Durham the week before the Irish, Duke will also play at Connecticut. Then we move on to the Louisville Cardinals on the road with new head coach Jeff Brom. Before Louisville hosts the Irish, Louisville will be at North Carolina State. They will have an extra day of rest as they will play on Friday, the week before they play the Fighting Irish. Now we move along to the USC Trojans coming back to South Bend with the Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Caleb Williams. USC will also play on a Friday before they come to South Bend, so eight days off. USC will be at the Coliseum the week before the Irish taking on the Arizona Wildcats. Notre Dame enjoys a bye after the USC game. And then Phil Drakovic and the Pittsburgh Panthers come to South Bend. The previous week, Pittsburgh will be at Wake Forest. Then Notre Dame will play at Clemson, a matchup in Death Valley between the Irish and the Tigers. And Clemson was done no favors by the ACC. Let's talk about the two weeks prior to the Notre Dame at Clemson game. The Tigers do not have a bye, and they have back-to-back road games before they host the Fighting Irish. Clemson will be at Miami and then at North Carolina State. After the Clemson game, Notre Dame's second bye takes place, then their final two games of the year. The home finale, Sam Hartman faces his old squad, Wake Forest. Wake Forest will be hosting North Carolina State the week before they come to South Bend. And finally, we wrap up the regular season in Palo Alto, Notre Dame at Stanford. For the Cardinal, the previous game is the game at home against the California Golden Bears. So there you go, the entire Notre Dame schedule, and none of the 12 opponents have a bye week before they take on the Fighting Irish. We move along to topic number two. And we're going to focus on pro football focus. They do a lot of great analytical work in college football and pro football. And they have come out with their personal list. Most of this is stats-driven. But Pro Football Focus has come out with their top 10 returning quarterbacks in college football for the 2023 season. So the top 10 returning quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, And I want to go through this list because I'm wondering if you're going to raise your eyebrows a couple of times like I did when I read the list. So we'll go from 10 to 1. Number 10, I have not seen a whole lot of this guy. Watched him a little bit. Can't add a whole lot. Had a great year leading Tulane to a fantastic season, including that win over USC in their bowl game. Michael Pratt. Quarterback Tulane is number 10, an 89.3% grade last year. According to Pro Football Focus, that was the fifth best grade among Division I quarterbacks. 3,010 passing yards, completed 63% of his throws, 27 touchdowns, 5 picks. He also ran for 478 yards and 10 touchdowns. Pro Football Focus, top 10. Returning quarterbacks in college football. At number nine, we go to the Southeastern Conference. And a physical guy running the football, Arkansas's K.J. Jefferson. A 91.4% grade last year. That's fourth best in the country. He threw for 2,684 yards. A 68% completion percentage. 24 touchdowns. Five picks. Jefferson. Jefferson. As I mentioned, he's a load. He has physical 640 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. Next up on Pro Football Focus, top 10 returning quarterbacks in college football. At number eight, we go north of the border where we find J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines. He took over for Cade McNamara. McNamara now is an Iowa Hawkeye. McCarthy, on a football team known for their outstanding running game, a really good defense, another fine defensive line put together by the Wolverines. McCarthy is a pretty solid quarterback, 2,700 passing yards, 64.6% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 5 picks, 5 rushing touchdowns for McCarthy last year. All right, we move along on our list. Pro Football Focus, the top 10 recur- returning quarterbacks in college football for the 2023 season. Let me give you a hint who number seven is. Hartman will
0: keep it, and he'll score. Hartman steps up, throwing deep again, and it is caught for a touchdown. Hartman, though, lobs it up, looking for six.
1: Hartman keeps it, runs it, up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in! Hartman pulls it back, looking end zone, touchdown Deacons! Hartman
0: throws, caught, touchdown! Hartman on a nice read will hop skip his way to sixth. Welcome back, Sam Hartman. Hartman to the air, thanks the catch!
1: What a uh, 23 years old. He's seen about everything, and that just helps calm the rest of his team down. Right, going to
0: carry it to the end zone. Touchdown.
1: You guessed it. Notre Dame's brand-new quarterback, Sam Hartman. And I'm going to say my opinion here, only seventh on pro football Focus top-returning quarterbacks in college football. His grade was outstanding last year in that slow-mesh offense at Wake Forest second in the country with his 92.5% grade playing the quarterback position. So second in terms of grade, but seventh on the list. He threw for 3,701 yards, 38 touchdown passes, 12 picks. Didn't run as much last year, but we know based on past years, he is very good at running the football, but Hartman only seventh on the list. So let's go through the top six, and you can kind of go through your mind who you would put Hartman ahead of or possibly keep that person ahead of Sam. Directly ahead of Hartman at number six on this list is Brian Kelly's quarterback. LSU's Jaden Daniels, listed by Pro Football Focus, as the third most valuable quarterback in the country in 2022. A dual-threat quarterback. Throwing for 2,913 yards, 17 touchdown passes, three picks, ran for 885 yards and 11 touchdowns. And playing, as we know, a very difficult SEC Western Division schedule. Pro Football Focus, top 10 returning quarterbacks. We had Sam Hartman at 7 at number 5 Bo Nix of Oregon. Would you trade Sam Hartman right now? for Bo Nix straight up? Well, let me give you Nix's numbers because he was a different quarterback compared to the guy who struggled at times at Auburn in the SEC. With Oregon last year, Nix's adjusted completion percentage was second in the nation, according to Pro Football Focus, at 82.3%. He threw for 3,539 yards, 29 touchdown strikes, 7 picks. 71% completion percentage, 510 rushing yards, and 14 touchdowns. His numbers, when you add in the rushing totals, you know what? We're pretty doggone good. And they actually are a little better than Hartman's, but personally, I would take Hartman over Knicks. Pro football focus, top 10 returning quarterbacks. Number four, well, Indiana fans are... Shedding a tear over this one, this kid put together a fantastic year at Washington. Michael Penix, Jr., the former Hoosier quarterback, now at Washington. He led Power 5 quarterbacks in passing yards 4,641, completed 65% of his throws, 31 touchdown passes, 8 interceptions, and 4 rushing touchdowns. Now, that would be an interesting debate. Who would you rather have? Penix or Hartman, I think that can be a coin flip. Number three, a guy that Notre Dame has faced in the past Florida State's Jordan Travis. He comes in at number three. He had the best quarterback grade of all Power Five quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, at 91.7%. 3,214 yards, 24 touchdown passes, five picks. We know he can run the football. Seeing him play against the Irish two years ago, 417 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Number two, can't go wrong with this guy. Drake May of North Carolina, 45 big time throws. According to Pro Football Focus, led all quarterbacks. His 56 combined rushing first downs and touchdowns tied for second in the country. Just glamorous numbers, 4,321 yards, 66% completion percentage, 38 touchdown passes plus 698 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Notre Dame did a great job against May, but he had some big performances against everybody else outside of Clemson. And according to Pro Football Focus, the top 10 returning quarterbacks in college football is led by USC's Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, 4,537 passing yards. 66% of his passes were completed. 42 touchdown passes in Lincoln-Riley's offense, plus 10 rushing touchdowns. So Notre Dame's Sam Hartman, seventh on this list of the top 10 returning quarterbacks. I would take, no doubt, Hartman over Knicks. Pennix would be a toss-up. I would take Hartman over Travis. So I would probably have Hartman fifth on my list. I would have to say Williams, May, Penix. Daniels Hartman. Although, you know what? You could put together a strong argument. Hartman over Daniels, I wouldn't argue with you. Just Daniels so explosive with the football in hand. I give him a slight advantage. But I thought, Sam, a couple of spots too low on that pro football focus list. And our third and final hat trick topic to begin tonight's Budweiser's weekday sports beat, the Irish basketball team's class of 2023 has gone from three to one. With the announced departure of Mike Bray at the end of the season, Notre Dame is in search of a new head coach. And two of the three players who have signed to be a part of this class in 23 are not interested in being a part of the program without Mike Bray. In fact, they're not interested in seeing who the new head coach is going to be four-star Oklahoma guard Parker Fredrickson has been granted his release by Notre Dame and he plans on exploring other options. Fredrickson on the on three consensus top player board was player number 116 overall. He was the highest rated of the three players in the 23 class. A fantastic three-point shooter knocking down 43% of his three-point shot. So, Fredrickson is not sticking around, and he follows in the footsteps of four-star wing Brady Dunlap. He has already been granted his release. He was ranked as player number 149 overall by On3 Consensus. The only player still left in that Notre Dame class of 2023 is the local product from Penn High School, Marcus Burton, he is a three-star guard and ranked number 147 overall in the on-three consensus right now, averaging 30 points per game for the Penn team. That is, without a doubt, the number two team in the state. They lost to the number one team, Ben Davis, earlier this year, but Penn is absolutely loaded with the two big guys up front. They've got three guards that can do a lot of damage. Heck, their JV might be one of the best in the state right now as well. So Marcus Burton is all by himself in the class of 2023 for Notre Dame basketball. In fact, you look at the Irish roster, you wonder how many players are going to be left and who's going to join Burton on that basketball team next year. It's going to be a totally, totally brand new product from top to bottom. Those are the hat trick topics for tonight's program. It is 532 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up next, we stick with Notre Dame basketball coaching conversation with our Twitter question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's Weekday sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome back to the program. Your time is 5.37. Here comes our Twitter question of the day results from yesterday's program. The question, which was available in my Twitter account at nine six zero SportsBeat, what type of basketball coach do you expect Notre Dame to hire? What type of basketball coach? Here were the four choices: a retired coach comes back into coaching to take over Notre Dame. That kind of fills the Jay Wright category that people are dreaming about. An NBA coach. Hoosiers went down that road with an alumnus, Monty Williams, former Notre Dame player head coach of the Phoenix Suns, falls into that category. Your third choice, a current Power 5 conference coach, ACC, Big 10, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12. And the fourth choice was what I would call an up-and-coming coach, Possibly a coach that doesn't have a big name yet because he's still pretty young in the business, but has a high upside that Notre Dame might be able to attract. So, in the voting, not much love for two of the four choices. Coming in fourth place, getting 1.2% of the vote, an NBA coach would be brought in by Notre Dame to take over for Mike Bray. Third place, only 3.7% went with a retired coach. Coming in second place, 29.3% say the type of basketball coach Notre Dame will hire will be a Power 5 coach. I'm not sure that would be my top choice I think there would be a lot of coaches at a power five school would consider going to Notre Dame a lateral move. So I don't know if that would be my number one choice. And I agree with the majority. 65.9% believe that Notre Dame will figure out a way to bring in an up and coming coach. So, someone that's doing a great job at a lower level that has put themselves in position for an upgrade in their resume. So, who comes to mind there? You know, I've had a a couple of people mention this guy to me, and I, I don't know a lot about him. Pat Kelsey who is the head coach at the College of Charleston. He got the job in March of 2021. He has Charleston right now in the top 25 of the polls. You take a look at what he has done in his coaching career, a 649 winning percentage coming into this year. Two years ago, Went 23-2 at Charleston the year before, 24-10. and 10. People who have mentioned his name to me said he's got a little Mike Bray in him, free-spirited, upbeat. So I guess that's a name that fits what we're talking about, an up-and-coming coach at 65.9%. You could argue former Irish guard Martin Inglesby, head coach of Delaware, would also fall into that category. So 65.9% say that the Irish will hire an up-and-coming coach compared to a Power 5 coach, an NBA coach, or a retired coach. We thank you for voting. Very interesting. Let's move along to today's question, and we'll go back to a similar storyline. What is the best way to describe the Notre Dame men's basketball coaching job? I'm going to use some different adjectives and I'm going to have you pick one of these four. So what is the best way to describe the Notre Dame men's basketball coaching job? Choice number one, it's an elite job. It's a high end job that a lot of coaches around the country would be interested in choice. Number two, it's a solid job, not in the elite category, But let's call it a second-tier job. Choice number three, it's a tough job. And some factors that would play into it being a tough job. Number one, you're always going to be second fiddle here to football. No question about that. Plus, I know I talked to WHME, WNDU's Chuck Freeby last week about this. He agreed that no coach at Notre Dame has a tougher assignment in recruiting to his program at Notre Dame than the men's basketball coach. So that makes it a tough job. And the fourth way to describe the Notre Dame coaching job, a stepping stone job. Now Mike Bray did not use this program to go to bigger or better things. He stayed here for 23 years. Matt Doherty was here for one year and he went off to his alma mater and that didn't work out too well. So, As we move away from Mike Bray, is this going to be a stepping stone job where someone does well and then they move forward? So there you go. What is the best way to describe the Notre Dame men's basketball coaching job? Elite job, solid job, tough job, or stepping stone job? We'd love to get your opinion. You can vote right now and throughout the day tomorrow. On my Twitter account, at 960 Beat, And if you'd like to leave a reply and answer the question further, I would be happy to take that, read it, and we'll put it on the air here on Budweiser's Weekday Beat. But you have to go to Twitter.com and search 960 Beat 5.43 at WSBT. Some NFL news this afternoon. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans is going to become the new head coach of the Houston Texans, according to various reports. And Ryans will leave the 49ers after two years doing a tremendous job with that defense to take over a Texans team in a major rebuild situation. They have the number two pick in the draft. They have a ton of salary cap room to bring in players. And I think for Ryans, he sees this as an opportunity to go to the weakest division in the National Football League. The Jacksonville Jaguars appear to be an up-and-coming team, and they should be in position with Doug Peterson as the head coach and Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback to be good for years to come. The Indianapolis Colts are still trying to figure out the quarterback position. If they... Hit the right guy. They're going to be right back in the mix in the AFC. If they don't, they're going to kind of stay in the second tier, the second pack of AFC teams. And you got the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry on the backside of his career leading that football team, putting that team on his shoulders, running the football. Looks like Tennessee is taking a step back. So you go to Houston. you got a division that's not overwhelming. It's not like you have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in your division. It is a place where you can win a division title pretty consistently. So Ryan's is going to Houston, and I think Houston is kind of handcuffed in order to get a high-end talent to be their head coach. They have to give more years, and sure enough, Ryan's reportedly got six years to become the Texans' head coach. Also this afternoon, reported by multiple outlets, Sean Payton is going back into coaching after one year on Fox. The former New Orleans Saints head coach is being traded to the Denver Broncos. Payton is still under contract with New Orleans. That's why he has to be traded. And for a Denver franchise that gave up a lot of draft collateral and players to Seattle for quarterback Russell Wilson, they are giving up more draft collateral to get – Sean Payton, a Super Bowl-winning head coach. New Orleans will get a first-round pick this year. It's the 49ers pick, I believe number 30, and a second-round pick. Denver gets Sean Payton and a third-round pick from the Saints. So Payton is going to a division with Patrick Mahomes, And Justin Herbert, I think Denver's lost 16 or 17 straight to Kansas City. I'm a Bronco fan. I refuse to keep track. It's somewhere around in there. And I would have to assume Sean Payton believes he can fix Russell Wilson or he would not take this job. There'd be no reason to take it. Now, I'm sure with the Walmart family now owning the Broncos, they gave him a really good contract to come to Denver, but I'm sure it's not all about the money. Again, why would he go to Denver if he believes he can't fix Russell Wilson? I'm under the impression that the head coach last year, Nathaniel Hackett, did not do anything to help Russell Wilson. Does he have some flaws from last year? Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about it, but I just think Peyton doesn't go there unless he feels like there is game left in Russell Wilson. If not, You've got that huge contract for, I think, four more years, and you have put yourself in a very difficult position. So I'll say this. As a Bronco fan, to hear the story today on NFL Network that Peyton was their third choice is very concerning. They wanted Ryan's first. I don't think he wanted to go into that AFC West mess and deal with Russell Wilson. Number two choice was Jim Harbaugh, which stuns me. And so Peyton was their third choice. He was my first choice all along. Even though I hate to give up draft collateral, this guy's a proven winner, and I need someone to make Russell Wilson an above-average quarterback once again, or this organization has no chance over the next few years. So D'Amico Ryans goes to the Houston Texans, Sean Peyton to the Denver Broncos. Now, the Peyton deal is not official because they haven't come to a contract agreement. Just the trade has happened, which will obviously lead to him being hired. They don't make the trade unless they know they can get him or not. Budweiser's weekday sports Be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, it's Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop for new beginnings. Have happy endings. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Coming up in a couple of moments, we've got a little Notre Dame hockey recap from the weekend on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And then it's Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer at (laughs) 605.
0: Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: 553 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program. We're live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Well, Notre Dame hockey heard all season long on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, as part of the Notre Dame radio network. And I had a chance to call a couple of really good games at the Compton Friday and Saturday. First off, another huge crowd At the Compton for Friday and Saturday, sold out both nights, standing room only. The support is awesome for the Notre Dame hockey community. I know the program's really grateful for the way people come out to watch Notre Dame hockey. It's a lot of fun to be there in person. That is one sport that is so much better in person compared to watching it on TV. And I can say the same thing about calling the home games in person and calling the road games from home. There is a a big difference in terms of the adrenaline level of calling those games. But the Irish faced the Wisconsin Badgers last weekend. This was an opportunity for Notre Dame to continue their solid play recently. I think this team has taken a huge step forward the last couple of weeks. Shouldn't be a surprise. Jeff Jackson teams always get better in the second half. It started against number 1 Minnesota, a loss and a tie against the Gophers, then splitting two games at then number 4 Penn State, and then a chance to knock off a Wisconsin team that has really struggled on the road in Big Ten Conference play. They entered last weekend having lost 16 consecutive Big Ten Conference road games, and the story of the weekend was the Notre Dame power play. Slager right corner after the Badgers couldn't clear. He's tied up. Ralston finds it. Backhands at Right point. Lieberman. Lieberman along the blue line, skates to the middle, takes a shot. He scores! It might have been redirected in front. Jared Mose says it was hit by a high stick. It might have been Landon Slaggart with the redirect. And it was Landon who had the beautiful hand-eye coordination to hit that puck out of midair. The stick was below his shoulder, which makes it a good goal. But Notre Dame would score five power play goals Last weekend, and a big reason why they swept Wisconsin, it was a 5-3 victory on Friday and a 3-1 win on Saturday. Friday night, Chase Primo got the scoring started with a power play goal. He has been terrific as of late. Three goals in his last four games. The grad transfer from Omaha later on in that game. Friday night, the Irish got goals from Jesse Lansdell on the power play and even strength tallies by Jack Adams and Justin Janicky. Janicke's been hot as well as late, as of late, I should say, for this fighting Irish hockey team. Irish won 5-3 Friday, as they went two for five on the power play. They went three for seven on Saturday. All four goals in the game were on the power play. Three by Notre Dame Slaggart, Chase Blackman. And also Hunter Strand, Brock Caulfield, scored for Wisconsin on the power play. But Notre Dame in that series was plus three on special teams, which is such a huge advantage in winning these games. So the Irish pick up all six points in the matchup. And let me give you this stat. The Notre Dame power play has been really, really interesting so far this year. They started off really Outstanding. They were 5 out of 17 on the power play over their first four games. Then, over their next 17 contests, they were 4 for 51. And now in their last seven games, 9 for 28. That's just about 33%, and that is an awesome number. Right now in the Big Ten standings, the Irish are in 4th place, only 1 point out of 2nd. And Michigan in fifth is two back with two games in hand. Michigan State is two back of the Irish for that fourth position. Notre Dame will play at Michigan State Friday at 7, Saturday at 4. But the Irish are going to be without their leading score, it looks like, for the rest of the year. The South Bend Tribune's John Finneran reported this first. It has not been put out by Notre Dame as of yet, but I can... Pretty much validate John's story. Ryder Ralston out for the year with a broken collarbone. Suffered Saturday night. Ralston, seven goals, 13 assists, 20 points on the season. So a major loss for the Irish as they get set to take on Michigan State this weekend. It is 5.58. Fighting Irish football recruiting conversation is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960, WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated Insider Mike Singer.
1: Well, it's Tuesday, which means we talk to Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. This conversation on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on 960 AM WSBT and also available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Mike, how are you? Doing well, Darren. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay, but we got a lot of snow on the ground here. That's not good for campus visits. We want the Chamber of Commerce 50 degree and sunshine for kids coming to town, but I guess they might as well get used to the snow, right? If they're going to be here.
2: That's all Ben, for you, Darren. Yeah, that's the case.
1: <laughs> you think I'd be used to it after 25 years, but no, not really. Well, speaking of visits, Justin Scott, a highly sought after defensive line recruit in the class of 2024, I believe was supposed to be in town on Sunday. And I think some other recruits as well I'm curious, Mike. Did those players make it to South Bend?
2: Karen, our weekly segment here is—it's uh, just been the past few weeks. It's just Justin Scott Central. I mean, it's signing days tomorrow. I mean, it's 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 Wednesday. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on with Notre Dame in the 2023 class at this point, unless something really changes. I'd be surprised if Notre Dame signs any new players for that traditional. Um, first Wednesday in February, National Signing Day. So we're really talking all 2024s, and this is the young man we've been discussing most, Justin Scott from Chicago, St. Ignatius, a top 20 player uh, for the on-three consensus, number three defensive lineman, 6'5", 310 pounds. He was supposed to be on campus, um, not this past weekend, the weekend before, canceled that, and and did not make the campus on Sunday uh, unless he had a secret covert mission to get to South Bend, which I do not believe was the case. Um, So... Yeah, And then C.J. Carr, the Notre Dame quarterback commit from Detroit, uh, another Chicago prospect, and, and Cam Williams, a commit for the Irish, uh, and then Carson Hobbs, a cornerback pledge for Notre Dame from Cincinnati. Th- those guys were all supposed to be at Notre Dame this weekend with the main purpose of recruiting Scott. No one made it in because Scott didn't make it in. Um, so no you know, big visit weekend for Notre Dame, no Justin Scott on campus, although um, y- y- you have to assume the Irish – are the leader right now, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, leading a monopoly game midway through, like what, what uh, it's not the finish or, you know, having a halftime lead and, you know, that things can definitely change. So um, Notre Dame is continuing to battle for Justin Scott, February is a dead period. So the earliest, and and when I say dead period, no that's just just a a way to say no face to face contact between college coach um, and recruit. So Scott can't get to Notre Dame at the earliest until March, um so you you would have to believe that you know he'll get to Notre Dame once or twice in the spring and then they'll probably have him for you know an official visit whether that's May or June so the battle for Justin Scott continues but uh, Notre Dame did have one prospect on campus to my knowledge and that was around Rock High School uh, Class of 2024 cornerback uh, Leonard Moore he's a three-star guy uh so this is actually his second time on campus he was also at Notre Dame for Irish Invasion last year um so notre dame offered him I, I believe it was like the 18th so it's just a couple of weeks ago and then he quickly set up a campus trip uh, to see notre dame um and notre dame looks to be in pretty good position early on um for the six 275 pound cornerback so um yeah the, the the past few weeks have been entertaining from notre dame recruiting standpoint just in terms of following this justin scott little saga um but otherwise it's been pretty quiet and then that 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 mini sog ended up being a big nothing burger and you know the scott drama continues
1: so a question about scott if i remember correctly you mentioned that originally he was going to make his commitment on january 31st which is tomorrow as we tape this but then he delayed that particular decision and i remember you mentioned that georgia recently offered him do you think a lot of the powerhouse schools have now started offering him and that's why He's hitting the pause button, or is there another reason, your best guess?
2: Yeah, I really think it's a combination of a few things. This is, I mean, I've been covering recruiting for almost a decade now. This is something you see very often. When a player says, oh, I'm going to commit in, in three or four months, and then all of a sudden they push things up. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a surprise. And then, you know, a, a school like Georgia, and also for the Florida Gators offered them, they sit back and think, oh, wow, we really like him, we were You know, evaluating him with this decision coming up, let's go ahead and offer him now. So then, those schools offer, and then so the kids like I was originally going to wait, not kind of rushing things a little bit. Maybe I should take things slower. Go visit Georgia. Maybe go visit Florida. I think it's a combination of that. Um, He really needed to get to Notre Dame before making a decision. He hasn't been to South Bend since last July. Um, and, uh, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame talked to Scott and said, Hey, if you, if you commit here, we have a, we have a policy with our commits that, you know, if you take an official visit elsewhere, we don't really consider you a commit. Cause you know, that's, that's basically, you know, having a serious girlfriend and, and you're still dating other girls, <laughs> like, you know, having another girlfriend, your original girlfriend, am
1: thinking
2: we're not together. So it's kind of that situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if that even made a played a role in terms of Scott thinking, you know what, maybe I do want to take this slow. So Notre Dame's going to play the long game. They're going to be in this thing as, as, until Scott says, I am not interested in you, don't talk to me. If that ever ends up happening, Notre Dame's going to keep battling here.
1: You mentioned you followed recruiting for 10 years. I've read and listened about recruiting for over 20 years now. And there's just a theme that, Football coaches don't think about, but it's something that fans, I think, get caught up in, that if you have a five-star, off-the-chart great quarterback in one class, the next class, it's going to be hard to get another quarterback of that caliber. C.J. Carr is in the 24 class. As you look down the line, the 25 class, do you think it's going to be hard for Notre Dame to get another high-end quarterback because of the stacks of quarterbacks they have here, or is it that classic Hey, I'm Darren Pritchett. I'm a five star. I can beat all these guys out, so I'm going to go there.
2: I think it's the I, I think it's the latter, but also didn't Ole Miss just bring in like three <laughs> yes. guys? Like they brought in like two high school quarterbacks, like two transfers. Like it, it's crazy. I think this is just the, the world of of college football at the quarterback position now. These these top schools are just going to keep stacking talent, and you know. If, if I am Darren Pritchett, that five-star quarterback, which just sounds crazy saying coming out yeah. of my mouth, but I, I can go play at a Notre Dame and, and give that a shot. And if it doesn't work, I, I got a free transfer. So I, I think that, at least from where I sit, I, I, I like what you're saying, I think that might have been a thing in, in years past, but I don't think it's as much anymore. You know, I, I think it's much more about competition these kids all think that they're the best, and uh, yeah, you do have the opportunity to transfer and not sit out a year now. So, um, but it, it is a is a player maybe going to get scared off by CJ Carr? I, I can't rule that out, but I just think that that's it, that's not going to be so much the case anymore on college ball recruiting.
1: I'm more of a five-star center fielder than a quarterback, to be honest. But we, no, I think you look good on the left
2: bench, Darren. You can <laughs> hang on, on the bench.
1: Five is the worst and one is the best, right? That's kind of where I am. Anyway, hey, there was a great haul by the Irish at the wide receiver position in the 23 class. I mean, just what they needed. The cupboard was getting bare, and they have not only brought in quantity, they have brought in quality in that 23 class. Now we move ahead to the 24 class. I guess a two-part question. First off, your best guess, how many wide receivers do you think Notre Dame might want to bring in in this class and number two are they throwing out many offers to 24 wide receivers at this point
2: yeah I mean, there's some positions Darren, on the board that are just typically going to be about the same number you bring in every class I mean it, it, receivers three you know it's somewhere between two and four two in the low and four in the high end but usually three You're, I mean these things depend on how many transfers or just you know uh, if you have an anomaly cycle like 2022 where the Irish only signed one in Tobias Merriweather, but I, I would expect about three. So they have a really darn one, darn good one committed in, and uh, camp Williams. I mean, uh, he's the guy who's going to end up as a five star. I mean, he's the number 20 overall prospect, number five receiver right now, according to on three, um, just had a phenomenal junior season and someone who t- tests really well and camps. Well, when you see seen the person, so love, love Cam Williams, you know, when, I was asked recently, like, who could who's going to be the next 2024 wide receiver commit? You go down the list, there's players that Notre Dame are in the mix for, but none of them really stood out to me as someone like, yeah, Notre Dame's definitely going to get this guy. Like, he's he's watch out for him next. So, when the coaches were on the road at the latter half of January, Chansey Stucky was very busy. He went to, I mean, he was coast to coast. He was recruiting everywhere. He was in Tampa, out to LA. I mean, the, the guy was everywhere. Um, so, definitely expected Notre Dame to offer more guys, and they did. Uh, this this is in the all-name category. This is fantastic. Quasi <laughs> Gilmer um, from West Hills, California. Um, Notre Dame also has a a, a safety target, Marquise Galagos, from that same school. So it's it's somewhere where Notre Dame's been recruiting uh, pretty heavily. You know, the past couple years, um, Gilmer has offers, uh, you know, several offers. You know, Colorado, Colorado State, Washington State. Boston College, just not a long offer list at this point. The Irish are, uh, you know, in more early on this guy, six two hundred eighty pounds. Uh, he picked up his offer from Notre Dame Monday, and then this was an interesting one um, from Las Vegas Arbor View. I love when Notre Dame recruits out in Las Vegas. Absolutely love it. It's really good when Notre Dame has like a man out there. or Really big time targets. So I'm hoping David Washington just really starts trending towards Notre Dame. So, so old Mike Singer can take a trip out to Vegas because <laughs> my best buddy lives out there, and I love Vegas. So it's 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 a, always a great trip for me. Uh, so Notre Dame offered him on Friday. Interesting thing: his mom's actually from Chicago, um, so he's got you know kind of Midwest ties there. So his mom certainly is familiar with Notre Dame. You know, people I talk to think that Notre Dame's got a really good shot here, and. Uh, Washington six foot 185 pounder four star per the on three consensus got a handful of offers including Ole Miss Michigan and and, and LSU along with Notre Dame so uh, a couple receiver offers to keep an eye on there who uh, you know Notre Dame should be in contention for
1: is there anybody in Notre Dame's wide receiver class now or a recent player that reminds you of Cam Williams at all is there a, a comp that you can give Irish fans that might give them a ballpark idea of his talents because I mean, you mentioned this guy's going to be a five-star, so that really catches your attention. I stalled as long as I could to allow you to think.
2: <laughs> you can't put me on the
1: spot. Uh, I mean, he's just – he's an all-around guy.
2: Okay. He's, he's hes physical. He's got very good speed. He's just very technically sound. Claypool category? I, I do I was thinking Claypool, but that just seems – we we I, f- I feel like we compare everybody to Claypool. I'll okay. let I'll let people tweet us, drop comments, whatever. You let me know. Who okay. You think Shane Williams. I mean, yeah, he's he's he just does it all. I, it, I used to love doing player comps. I don't. I know want you them don't like them. They're just so difficult, and, and everyone just roasts you if you. <laughs> you know, people roast me all the time, but yeah, player comps. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It's tough one. But yeah, I like Claypool. Claypool's an easy one. Okay. Let we'll you go
1: back a few more years, I'm thinking Michael Floyd was kind of that complete wide receiver for the fighting yeah, hours before just, Claypool. So. But
2: yeah, if I'm like, yeah, this quarterback reminds me of Joe Montana. It's like, like, God, you can't
1: say that, Mike. So I try not to
2: I got too so much, you know? All
1: right, let's move on to something else. The 2023 <laughs> recruiting rankings. I think we can pretty much yeah. write them in pen at this point yeah. as all the services have done their updates and provided their final rankings so your on three consensus now is pretty much locked in anything of interest that stood out with the final list
2: yeah i'll say that there's so many players who end up reclassifying so they should be like 99% done um but it's you know Alabama Georgia in the top 2 spots i mean Alabama signed a, a fantastic class so their score uh, which per the on three consensus is um, the it takes the top twenty one players they signed. And each recruit has an individual grade right Like this guy's a ninety five, this guy's a ninety six. So this takes the average of those twenty one, and that's how they get this. So Alabama signed a ninety six. georgia ninety five. Number three is Texas ninety three point mm. eight. It's a pretty big jump um, from texas to to bama. ninety six point one down to ninety three um yeah round up point 0.9 uh so you got alabama Georgia, texas ohio state for lsu brian kelly signed a pretty darn good class number five miami number six man miami i don't know what they're doing down there man like i, I i'm I, i'm keeping an eye on that school and ter- not in terms of like oh like i don't know they i just think they're up for something not good down there
1: but the thing wow. is mike they have know. these great classes and nothing ever comes from them
2: yeah, I, I mean, you say that a lot about a lot of programs, but I don't know. There's something fishy going on, and just in my in my opinion. And then you got Oklahoma 7, and on signing day, Notre Dame signed the number 8 class, and that's where they ended up standing. You know, even with the losses of, you know, your Peyton Bowen and, and Jade Lamar, like I, I think going into the day maybe they were 6, and then Sunday ended they were 8. So that's where they ended up finishing. you got Oklahoma one spot above them the team that stole Peyton Bowen and then Oregon who stole Jay Lamar from Notre Dame, but they didn't jump the Irish in the ranking. So Notre Dame signed 90, 92.4. So that's actually, I believe, let's see, just slightly uh, below uh, Notre Dame's class last year. Notre Notre Dame signed 92.6 last year. So very, very close. So, and, and the last class was number six in the country. So basically, the same exact ranking, but Notre Dame. If that makes sense, same score, but the ranking dropped two spots just because of where other schools were. So, back-to-back top ten classes for Notre Dame, something they hadn't done since 2013-14, uh, per at least per on three's uh, consensus ranking. So, um, something yeah, Kelly hadn't done in a while, and Marcus Freeman does it in his first two classes.
1: We're gonna have to come up, which with I a will give him. Term.
2: I will call it Freeman's class of 22. Right? right. I mean, he was so important for defensive recruiting. And then all the offensive players stuck because of Freeman. And then C.J. Williams and Marianne Walker ended up flipping elsewhere. But those kids were flipping no matter who was head coach. I could have been head coach. Um, Our Lord Savior could have been head coach. Those guys were just not going to stick with Notre Dame no matter who was going to be the head coach. Um, So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm giving Freeman. I'm calling 2022 Freeman's class. All right. Yeah.
1: Well, in the new era of the NIL, I don't know if we can say that Oklahoma stole Peyton Bowen. Maybe they overpaid for Peyton Bowen. I don't know. I think of something else.
2: I got. No, I, I don't know. I plead the fifth. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't really like talking. You know, like like nil for specific players because you talk to this guy and then you talk to this guy. You talk, everyone's got their own opinions on yep. what happened, and everyone is so like, oh, this is what happened. And then you talk to someone, no, this is what I. There, I'm sure there are some reporters out there, you know, maybe even on the Notre Dame side, who are like fully convinced this is what happened, to Peyton Bowen. I've got it on great authority. Then you talk to other people who have it on great authority, and they have completely different thoughts on it. So there's just so much crap that's out there with, with oh, so and so got bought by this school. I mean, I wrote a story on Keon Keeley from his side of things about why, you know, he, he decommitted from Notre Dame and flipped Alabama, and my Twitter mentions I had to turn them off. There's just ridiculous the amount of people going off on it. it. It's I just stay away from that. I'll let other people, okay. you know, have their opinions on if, Oh, so-and-so just got bought. I mean, he flipped from Notre Dame to Alabama. It's Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be NIL. I mean, for Peyton Bowen, Denton, Texas is big Oklahoma territory. I mean, it, it, so it's those flips could have happened any year. It, they're not, you know, crazy flips. I think, I just think anytime, you know, Notre Dame's losing a recruit these days, everyone's just going, oh, it's NIL. It might be – it might not be – I don't know. We just kind of pick and choose what, what the we The Bowen one just feels different
1: because he was going through team after team on national signing day, but fair
2: point. The Bowen one, point. that's just Notre – Dame, Notre Dame doesn't have many of those, right, because it's Notre Dame. You know, you, you, you just don't have many recruitments like that, but that – Oh, I'm going here. I'm going here. I'm going here. That's that's like that's that's a fairly regular thing in the South. So Notre Dame being in that kind of shows we're recruiting with, you know, at a different level, we're recruiting a different caliber of prospect. That's, that's at least how I see it.
1: Let me leave you with one final question. You mentioned Keeley and Bowen, two guys that were in the last class and obviously ended up going elsewhere. Do you think Marcus and the staff will do anything different? adjust anything they do in the recruiting process to not stop recruiting those type of players. You have to, but prepare in a different way for the possibility that if this elite guy leaves, then this could happen. Yeah. You see what I'm saying yeah, that's
2: a great question. Yeah. It's a great question. I've thought about this. I, I want to wait to see if there's any strategical, I'm sure there are things they've learned, but like this, the, the very specific strategical and operational differences, yet to be seen. Yet to be seen. Uh, because the biggest thing is you have these guys committed, they're looking elsewhere. How do you treat it? Yeah. I don't think we'll know that answer until Notre Dame gets in that scenario, if that makes sense. So let's ask me that. You know, June, July, August. Let's we'll, we'll talk about it then. Okay. I mean, Notre Dame's already had a decommitment in this class, Brandon Davis, Swain, but you know, that was one that I read uh,
1: that one coming.
2: I, I mean, months before that one was that one just smelled like it was gonna not end up, and I don't think Notre Dame was, you know, overly upset about that situation.
1: Fair enough. What's happening at Blue and Gold Illustrated Blue and right now?
2: Plugging along, plug along, Darren. It's uh, it's a little bit of that slow season, but before you know it, I mean, just we're weeks away from spring ball starting. I mean, the 2022 season just ended, but what mid, early March? I think it's usually like the first week of March they start spring ball. So, um, head to bloomgold.com, join that conversation if you're looking for, you know, a Notre Dame itch to scratch. <laughs> you go to the loose emoji board at Bloom and Goals. Uh, and, uh, yeah, chat with thousands of other Notre Dame fans. And, I mean, off-topic on on Notre Dame football, basketball, uh, you know, men's and women's, baseball will have coverage coming up, hockey, uh, recruiting, obviously. We'll have it all at blueandgold.com for you, so definitely recommend going and checking it out.
1: Very good. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Always thank you for your time and your analysis, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, that sounds good, Darren. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Hope you'll stick around. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up on this Tuesday on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at wsbtradio.com, the WSBT radio app. One question, five answers. This
0: is the My 5 Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960
1: WSBT. It is 6.38, Darren Pritchett back with you. Today's My 5, the Big 12 welcomes four new teams to their league this year. Brigham Young University, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati. So as we add these four new teams to the Big 12, what are the best... Matchups in the league in college football this fall, ladies and gentlemen. This is number five. We start with a November 11th matchup: Texas at TCU, the Horn Frogs. We'll try to get back to the playoff this year after that devastating loss in the championship game, getting steamrolled by Georgia. One of the interesting matchups is a home game against. Texas. It was a tight game when these two teams played last year. November 12th in Austin, TCU escaped with a 17-10 victory. Four! Big 12 matchup number four, November 24th. Maybe the whole enchilada's on the line in this game. TCU at Oklahoma. Of course, the top two teams in the regular season standings advance to the conference championship game these are two of the top contenders as Oklahoma looks to bounce back after a very up and down year. The defense was still not what they were looking for. And of course you've got this TCU team looking to get back to the Big 12 title game but win at this time as they lost to Kansas State. Didn't affect them. They still made the college football playoff but in Oklahoma's final year in the Big 12 this could be a dandy in Norman. TCU at Oklahoma. Uh, Number
0: three.
1: Big 12 game number three this fall. How about October 21st, the Texas Longhorns visiting the Houston Cougars. The Cougars have been a solid program the last few years. Texas, well, a couple of times we thought they were back, but they're not. They're close. But Texas at Houston is interesting just from a rivalry standpoint. Houston and Texas playing for the first time since 2002, and this will be Texas' first road game against Houston since 2001, so this game has been on the back burner for a while, and you know the fan bases will be pumped for this Lone Star State matchup. Number two. Big 12 matchup number two. How about Oklahoma at Oklahoma State? Bedlam, always one of the great rivalry games, but... Even more important this year when you consider it is the final bedlam game as Oklahoma State will stay in the Big 12 while Oklahoma heads to the Southeastern Conference after this season. So, you know, both fan bases want this one desperately because they want the bragging rights until they meet once again, and who knows when that will be.
0: Number one.
1: And finally... A matchup that I think is awfully intriguing. Now, this is just one Big 12 team in this matchup. It's a non-conference game, but I had to throw it in there. September 2nd, opening weekend, or at least week one, not week zero, TCU, the defending national runner-ups, will take on a team that I'm sure a lot of people will tune in just to see what they look like, the Colorado Buffaloes. And their new head coach, Prime, Deion Sanders. So, no, I know it's not a Big 12 conference matchup, but Colorado at TCU opening weekend, that will be rather intriguing. And that is the My Five question of the day here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Recapping the NFL news of the day, we now have three head coaching vacancies filled. We already knew Frank Reich was headed to the Carolina Panthers today. D'Amico Ryans reportedly gets a six-year deal to become the head coach of the Houston Texans. Ryans, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers the last two years. And the Denver Broncos are trading for Sean Payton. Payton's still under contract with the Saints, so they are shipping a first and a second-round pick to New Orleans to get Payton and a third-round pick So Sean Payton will try to see if he can allow Russell Wilson to cook a little bit again. Colts and Cardinals are next on the list. We've got our Sizzler segment, Sports Wagering Talk, next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.